What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello, Dolphin fans. Well, Jay Cutler giveth and Jay Cutler taketh away. After having probably his best game as a Miami Dolphin against the New England Patriots, Jay Cutler goes into Buffalo and has possibly his worst game as a Dolphin, throwing 28 for 49 for 274 yards and three three interceptions. He was also sacked three times. But that's not really the story of this game. The story of the game is that the defense really did not seem to come to play today. And Tyrod Taylor continues to kill the Dolphins. Tyrod Taylor was 17 of 29 for 224 yards and a touchdown. He also ran the ball six times for 42 yards and a touchdown as well. While the Dolphins ended up losing 24 to 16, the game was really looking pretty clearly over at halftime when Buffalo had a 21 to 6 lead. Dolphins had some chances to get themselves back into the game, but the offense was just not there today. It was just not clicking after Kenyon Drake had some very early success running the ball in the game. He had he had reached 50 yards I think before the end of the first quarter. The Dolphins went away from him. And started throwing the ball, and we we well, well we saw how bad Jay Cutler was in this game. And on top of all of that, uh, this it just it was just a really disappointing all all around performance from the Miami Dolphins, a team that against all odds found themselves in a position where if they had won this game today, were right in the thick of the playoff hunt. Instead, their playoff chances end for real today. And the Dolphins now will play two meaningless games in December where all that is left to do is take stock of what this team has and try to figure out what they really are as they head into the offseason. Brain, what are your takeaways from the game today? Just from the game today before we get into all the big picture stuff. Yeah, well, I thought it was kind of two different games. I thought the first half, of the game, the story was that the Dolphins had two long drives early in this game. I mean, the Bills took the opening drive and drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. And then the Dolphins, uh, you know, had had some success on defense and then, you know, had, had a couple of chances to answer. And they had a couple of nice drives, long drives, uh, where they made it into the red zone. And they were unable... To get into the end zone, and they had to settle for field goals. And after that, and then there was a key sequence uh, where after the second field goal that made the game seven to six, the Bills got the ball, and on either their first or second play, they had a screen pass or like a little swing pass out to McCoy. And TJ McDonald read it. Read it perfectly. And was all over it. And he leaped up, and the ball went right through his hands. And if he makes the play, I mean, the, the ball goes through his hands. He gets a piece of it. McCoy ends up dropping it. So, you know, it doesn't hurt them there in the short term. Except that, one, if McDonald catches that ball, he's taking it to the house for a pick six. And the Dolphins are then up 13-7. to seven. And then what's worse is 
after that play, a couple plays later, the Bills convert on a third down and on that drive end up driving down and scoring another touchdown. They then add another touchdown drive right before the half. And so you look at it at the half, you're down 21 to 6. And what is the difference in the game? The difference in the game is essentially that the Miami Dolphins had two very nice drives where they got into the red zone and had to settle for field goals. The Bills had three drives of 75 yards or more, and all three ended in touchdowns. And so between the pick six and just the 15 point, or you know, the pick six that could have been, that ends up not being, and the 15 point difference between three touchdowns and two field goals, that just proved to be kind of insurmountable. Now, in the second half of the game, the Dolphins had their chances to not really let that become insurmountable. But in the second half of the game, where the defense actually played well, granted the Bills played far more conservatively Much more conservative. in the second half, but the Dolphins tightened up the run defense, uh, played better on the defensive side of the ball. And honestly, they, they didn't play terribly on the offensive side of the ball but Jay Cutler throws three interceptions. Yeah, I mean, this was a game where, with as bad as Jay Cutler had played all through the game, and it had been bad, he actually did start making some throws late in the game, and the Dolphins were improbably crawling their way back. In fact, down by eight points, they recover an onside kick with 40 seconds left, and granted, down, down by eight points, you need a touchdown and a two-point conversion with 40 seconds left to go. But hey, you've got an opportunity. And on the very first play, after recovering the onside kick, Jay Cutler throws a pass to, I don't know who he was throwing it to. And that, I think, is the worst part of his interceptions today, is that two of the three of them looked like there was not even a receiver close to where he was throwing the ball. I mean, they were these were bad passes. One of them, I guess you could say there was a cross-up in in in, uh, in the route. I think it was Devontae Parker, um, who, you know, against all odds, he actually had a pretty decent game today. Uh, but it was a decent game. It was a decent game. That's what I said. I said it, I didn't say he had a great game. Right. I said he had a decent game. And it was a decent game at a Devontae Parker. Uh, but... You know, Cutler throws that bad interception when you had a chance to crawl back in it. And as a result, the Dolphins drop this game. They fall now to 6-8. and eight. And this is going to now be officially for the eighth time in nine seasons that the Dolphins finish with between six and eight wins. And in other words, that means that after all is said and done, this team is in fact... The same old Dolphins. Yeah, exactly. And really, if you came in, if you were surprised by the result of this game, then you have not been watching the Dolphins for the last 15 years. Oh, yeah. This was a vintage, vintage same old Dolphins performance. They're on the backs of, they're coming in on the backs of two big wins over Buffalo, uh, uh, over Denver and New England and this is a team with its playoff chances on the line that needs to come in and needs to come up with a big win and just comes out and lays an egg. <laughs> and is there a more fitting place for it to happen than on the road in Buffalo in December? It's a place that's been a house of horrors for the Dolphins for so, for so many years, and that trend continued again today.
Yeah, so at this point, and, and look, I came into the game, look, last week my my head was pretty clear. It was, this team is not close to anything. Uh, they need to lose. The front office needs to understand that this team isn't close. And the only way that we're going to get there is by losing and losing and losing so that we can actually take a step back, be honest, and then try to build the right way. Then they go out and they play the game of their lives last year, last week. I mean, they were emotionally invested. They got a great game out of Jay Cutler. The O-line played well. The D-line played well. They looked like the team that we hoped that we would have seen from the very beginning. The kind of team that looked like they could literally beat anybody on anybody in the NFL yep. on a given day. So they do that last week, and I come into this week's game, and I say, well, given the playoff picture, you know, I, I could see saying, all right, well, maybe we're better than I thought, and maybe, uh, you know, if we if we can find a way to win out and we make the playoffs, and then considering everything that this team went through, maybe it's time to put everything that I suspect about this team to the wayside and say... All right, let's let's get it done. Let's make this happen. Let's make the magic happen. Adam Gase has the magic touch. And then, boom, same old Dolphins. I mean, you could not have scripted it any more same old Dolphins than, than what this was today. And even this game was a microcosm of same old Dolphins because they looked bad. And then all of a sudden they had opportunities and all of a sudden they showed life and they gave you hope. And at the end of the game, you were like, we might actually do this. And then at the end of the day, same old Dolphins. I mean, this was as same old Dolphins a game as we've seen from this team all year. Yeah, it was it was pretty disheartening. And now the Dolphins find themselves in a position where they've got two games left. Uh, against Kansas City and another game against Buffalo here at home to close the season. And these are two games where the Dolphins are really going to just have to take stock of what they have. Now, I will say that as you look at this game here today, the, there were some promising signs here, okay? I think we still can't, and we'll we'll do a season sort of retrospective here at the end of the year, but I think there are things to be encouraged about. I think the offense looks like when Ryan Tannehill is the guy under center, and if he proves to be the player that he was turning into last season, and if when he comes back from this injury, if he is that quarterback, then this is a team that has the chance to be pretty good on offense. That doesn't mean be great. Doesn't mean they're going to be world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. But they have the parts in place to have a pretty good and a pretty fun offense to watch. You've got Jarvis Landry, who you need to lock up. You have Kenny Stills. You've got Kenyon Drake. I think this team is looking for its number one tight end because Julius Thomas is certainly not the answer. I don't think Anthony Fasano, as much as I personally like Anthony Fasano, I don't know that he's the number one tight end answer for this team. And quite frankly, I don't think Marquise Gray is the answer to that either. But you've got a couple of key receivers. Devontae Parker showed some signs today that he could maybe 
be something, but quite, you know, really we need to see a lot more from Devontae Parker. This season was supposed to be a breakout year from him, and it has been anything but, really. He's been a bust for most of the season. I I would say that the game today was probably his best game of the season. No, Maybe he had had some performances early on in the year. I feel like probably the San Diego game because... Oh, right. At the beginning of the season, that first game against San Diego, you're right. Yes, he he performed well there. And that was one of the things that was like, okay, Devontae Parker, maybe we got to see where this goes. And then since then, he sort of petered out. Now... Is, is Did he peter out because there's no chemistry with Jay Cutler? Maybe, but I, I, what I've seen from Devontae Parker suggests that it's something a lot more than just not gelling with the quarterback. So either way, Devontae Parker remains a question mark. But between Stills and Landry and Kenyon Drake and Ryan Tannehill, the offensive line has looked better. They still need some work, but th- they've been better. That is something to give you some optimism. On the other side of the ball, the defensive line is supposed to be the strong part of the team. And I think Charles Harris and Jordan Phillips have, have there, there's, there's something there with those two guys. Um, Ndamukong Sue is Ndamukong Sue. Uh, he threw a nice right hook to the head of Tyrod Taylor in this game. I'm sure he's going to be uh, getting a talking to from somebody at the league because of that. Um, Cameron Wake is, I'm afraid, just on the downside of his career. He's on the downward slope. Uh, the linebacking core is, is still a bit of a mess. I don't know how long Lawrence Timmons is going to stick around. Um, Kiko Alonso, unfortunately, is going to be part of this team next year, whether we like it or not. Um, he's just getting, his contract is way too big for there to be any hope of him realistically not being here next year. And that's unfortunate because he was absolutely horrid in this game. A terrible performance today from Kiko Alonso. Uh, maybe the, uh, with Raekwon McMillan coming back next year, the linebacking core will be a little bit stronger. Stefan Anthony seems to be getting a little bit something going for him, but he's still very much just sort of a meh guy who's there. You're feeling a little bit better about the secondary, Xavier Howard, uh, it was just an okay game for him today. I mean, he was facing a quarterback and a team that doesn't really incorporate their off- their wide receivers into their offense very much. So he didn't have a lot to do today. But what he did do, he did pretty well, uh, I suppose. He, he had a really nice tackle late in the game on LaShawn McCoy that, that kept the Dolphins in it. He had but a sack. He had a sack. So, I mean, there are signs... That the Dolphins can be uh, can be moving in the right direction next year. I just don't know that they go from this team to being contenders. And when I say contenders, I don't mean a team that is definitely looking at the playoffs and thinking that you know that's where they're going. You know that we can make the playoffs this year, and that's sort of the goal. When I say that the Dolphins need to be contenders, I mean contenders that this is a team that you can look at and say, this is a legit contender to win the Super Bowl. And it wouldn't surprise me if they went through the AFC and ended up in the Super Bowl. And as of right now, I just think it's a bridge too far to take the Dolphins from where they are right now to being in the Super Bowl next season. And quite frankly, I I think there are ways away from being there the season after that as well. Although, you know, Anything can happen in the NFL nowadays with the way the money is thrown around. But, you know, there were certainly positive signs, 
But at the same time, I think this is the proof. This is what you need to know about the team and the mentality of a team. If they're a winning team, they don't come out in a game like this and lay an egg the way this team did. Yeah, and and look, you you kind of hit on everything. Uh, when you look at the pieces of this team, there are some very nice pieces. Um, but like you said about the offense, you know, you know, one, it's a question mark as to whether or not Ryan Tannehill will be back and healthy next year. Will he be, you know, will he have a year like he had uh, last season or will he be closer to the quarterback that he was before then? I think Ryan Tannehill's track record, even though he had a nice stretch in that season, his track, his track record is that and I didn't. It might have been a little bit of no, a Freudian yeah, yeah, yeah. His slip. Trash record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. No, I mean his track record is that he's kind of he's an average NFL starting quarterback. Um, if you have an average NFL starting quarterback and you have an average NFL starting offensive line, then your offense is going to be average. Uh, if you don't have a great offensive line or a great quarterback, you just simply will not have an elite offense. And if you don't have an elite offense, you need to have an elite defense if you're going to be a contender. Again, we're not talking about this team could go 9-7, and seven, this team can go 10-6, and six, they can make the playoffs, but then, you know, unless some contending team you know, two or three contending teams that are better than them have significant injuries. We're not talking about a legit Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I have no interest. I have no interest in the Dolphins being a team that makes it into the playoffs and gets destroyed in the first round of the playoffs. I have no interest in that. Right. And, like, if these are the pieces that we're going with on offense and we're saying, hey, this is going to be our team for the next three, four years for the foreseeable future, then you got to say, okay, it's fine. But then if you want to be a contender, you've got to have an elite defense. And now we're at the point where, look, Cameron Wake is a nice player, but he's been a freak of nature to be as good as he is even at the age that he is now. To expect him to get any better and to, frankly, to expect him not to get worse is is probably not going to happen. It's probably not a fair expectation. One good thing that we saw in this game, uh, which we've seen kind of flashes of in his rookie year, Charles Harris. Charles put Harris. Put yes. some pressure on the quarterback. So maybe, maybe Charles Harris, you know, we said when they drafted him and when we came into the season that we thought Charles Harris would be kind of a situational player, a situational pass rusher in his rookie year. But that would not necessarily project to what he is two, three years down the line. There's the possibility that he could become a more complete player and he could potentially replace Cameron Wake. If that's the case, that's that's great. You, you know, Godshaw looks good. Jordan Phillips looks good. You, Vincent Taylor. I mean, he, these are these. He looks like a nice piece that you found late in the draft. There's some good quality young players on that defensive line. Even if you keep uh, Indomik and Sue, because I think, I mean, you would like to possibly re, re uh, construct restructure restructure that's the word i was looking for restructure sue's contract to make it a little bit more palatable for the for the uh, salary cap and for the team going forward uh, but if that's the case then your d line looks good 
But the linebackers, it's a mess because we know that next year Kiko Alonso is a starting linebacker on this team and he's not any kind of long-term answer. We are 50-50 as to whether Lawrence Timmons will be back next year. But after that, I would say we're about 99% that he's not going to be back after that. We don't know what kind of player Raekwon McMillan is. Xavier Howard looks all right. You know, he might be pretty good, but we definitely don't have another corner that we can count on. No. And then, you know, Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald's and TJ McDonald, they look pretty good. But the, what you get is you've got pieces and you sh- you you start putting the pieces all together and you say on defense, just like you would say on offense, they look okay. And if you're okay on offense and you're okay on defense, then as a team, you end up being Okay, and that's where this team continues to be every single year. Is okay and okay and okay and okay, and you end up between six and ten and eight and eight. Every now and then you sprinkle in a nine and seven or a ten and six. It's not where you want to be. And at some point you need to recognize that you can't just put band-aids over these things to reach the next level. You're just going to end up in the same spot. And the only way to really take the leap is sometimes to take a couple of steps back. And that is why the game last week is so important. Because they beat the Patriots and they looked so good doing so that I think it fooled Every it, it fooled it even fooled me to a yeah, certain extent. We and came I've out been, of that game thinking playoffs. I I've came been, back talking playoffs. I've been one of the most negative Dolphin fans around, and even I came into this game and said, "All right, maybe we can make this work." Even begrudgingly, so I just thought, "All right, well, if we could do that last week, then maybe there's a chance." And if the Dolphins fans feel that there's a chance then I have no doubt in my mind that in the Dolphins' front office, they believe that there's a chance, and they believe that they are closer than they really are. And that is the worst possible thing that could be going on in the Dolphins' front office right now, is them thinking, hey, we get Ryan Tannehill back, we get a healthy uh, Tony Lippett, we we hit on a couple of draft picks, and, and we're right there. Because, look, one... We, I, <laughs> one, like, you could get those guys back. You're going to lose other guys. It happens every year and it happens to every team. And two, this team just, it really isn't that close. I mean, no. if, if you, this is a game today. This is one of the games where I would legitimately look at it and say, all right, if Ryan Tannehill was here, I could see us winning this game. Sure, you could, yes, yes. Other than that game, other than today's game, I'm looking at the schedule, and I don't see another game that that we played this year where I feel like if Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback, we definitely win a game that we would have lost. Yeah, I mean, I think if Tannehill is your quarterback, you probably don't get shut out by the Jets and the Meadowlands. I think you probably have a... You probably make a better impression in that game, and you probably have a chance to win it because the Jets, you know, the Dolphins were still in that game until pretty late on, even though their offense was putrid. I think if Tannehill's around, you make a better showing in London against the Saints in that game. I think if Tannehill's your quarterback, maybe you do better against 
the Raiders in the game, another game where the Dolphins offense, where, I mean, and that was a game in which Jay Cutler was good. Well, that's, well, that's my point is that in some of these games where they lost, I mean, in some of them, Jay Cutler played poorly. But in some of these games that they lost, Jay Cutler was not the reason that they lost these games. Yeah. And and that's for, the and, thing. and then also, it's it's faulty logic for us to just say anytime Jay Cutler plays poorly, that if Ryan Tannehill was there, that the Dolphins would win because that would make that would be making the assumption that every time Ryan Tannehill goes right. on the field, he's some great quarterback. Right. Because that is not the case. Right, and that's the thing. And that's the other thing. It's something that we're forgetting because it's been so long since he was here. And, you know, the last we saw of Ryan Tannehill, he was winning 9 out of 10 games for the Dolphins. And, yes, that was a good streak that he was on. But let's not forget that Ryan Tannehill, prior to that really great streak, and we can't deny that it was a great streak, and that was him playing the best football of his career, there is no guarantee that he's going to come back and be that quarterback. He's not going to come back after a year, over a year on the shelf, and suddenly automatically be that quarterback and already be gelled with this team. Yes, it's a possibility. Yes, that's one of the reasons that you bring in a guy like Jay Cutler is because much of the offense that the Dolphins ran this year was a similar offense to what they would run with Jay, with uh, Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback. But there is no guarantee that Tannehill steps right in and plays perfect football because we've all seen it. Tannehill can be pretty bad him, himself, which was, let's not forget that before this season started, it was a legitimate conversation because, granted, anything can happen in the NFL, that had Jay Cutler come in and played the most of his games, let's say let's say he had played 80% of this season the way he looked in that game against New England. If Jay Cutler looked like that for 80% of the season, we'd be having a conversation right now about who the starting quarterback would be for the Dolphins next year. No, we wouldn't. Because no, we Jay, wouldn't. It would be Jay Cutler. If Jay Cutler played 80% of his games the way he played that game against New England, and you and you took that and extrapolated it over his entire career, Jay Cutler would be Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, at any rate, it's... Yeah, there's a... Listen, the, the, the point is, the Dolphins aren't sitting at 6-8 and eight just because Jay Cutler has been bad at times this season. The Dolphins are sitting at 6-8 and eight because the defense had been horrendous for stretches of the season. And, and Jay Cutler had been... A bad quarterback. This and is the O line has had their the O line has had problems. There have been problems in every aspect of the team. And what we've learned from, from watching the NFL, when you watch the NFL, the teams that win the Super Bowl aren't necessarily perfect teams, but they're teams that have one or two areas that are weak, and the other areas are really strong, so that it can make up for those areas where they don't, where they where they might not be as great. And so what happens is you've got a team that can that can win in spite of the fact that its offensive line isn't great. New England Patriots. You, Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. Although I think we're seeing now that maybe that, that ship has run its course because now they're having injuries on defense and that team is right. sort of falling apart. But the fact of the matter is if you're going to be a team that's going to win in this league, you need to be strong. Not just good. 
I mean, not just not just okay, but really strong in a lot of different areas. And the Dolphins are right now at a situation where there are some areas where they're okay, and there are some areas where they're not okay. And then there's maybe one or two places where they're maybe good. I would not say that this Dolphins team is great in any aspect of their game right now. And that is, as you look at this team... And you look at them against the other teams in this league. You look at them against the Philadelphia Eagles of the world. Although, without you know, taking the Carson Wentz injury out of it. You put this Dolphins team up against the Eagles. You put this Dolphins team against the Vikings. You put this Dolphins team up against the Carolina Panthers, the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This team is not even in the conversation with any of those teams. The Dolphins are right now in a constant struggle. What seems to be the ceiling for the Dolphins right now is being towards the top of that group in the middle that is constantly fighting over wildcard spots. And yes, the Dolphins are in the AFC East where the Patriots are dominant. That is what it is. But if the Dolphins could build themselves to being a great team, maybe they're worrying less about fighting with these other teams about wildcard spots and more about fighting with the Patriots for the title in the AFC East. And if you can get to that point, then you can really start looking at, okay, let's look at things that are bigger. But right now, the Dolphins are looking up at the New England Patriots where they've, the same way they've been looking up in that direction for a decade. And after this season, they're no closer than they were in 2008 when they were coming off of, where they where they made it to the seat, to the playoffs thanks to the Wildcats. They're no closer than they were then. And and that's the thing that makes you as a Dolphin fan so... That's the thing that's so disappointing about being a fan of this team is that you're... Where other teams have ups and downs, the downs are, are down enough that there is a, chance, a really good opportunity coming off of that down for them to rebuild and get better. And the Dolphins never do that. Well, the problem with that is that... You know, when these teams have downs, a lot of times they have a couple of seasons where they underachieve and they realize, the good organizations anyway, realize, look, we're not close. This is not working. We need to rebuild. They don't care if the next season they go 4-12. and 12. Right. right. So they start shedding the bad contracts. They start shedding the players that they don't expect to be there in two, three, four years down the road. And instead, they start putting an emphasis on trying to build through the draft, acquiring picks, and trying to get as many quality young players. Because more than anything else, what the young players are is cheap labor. Yeah. And if you hit on half of them, then you've got a solid base of cheap labor for three or four seasons. And if you don't go out and blow all of your excess money that you've otherwise that you've saved by building young, then you can continue to get cheap labor and continue to build through the draft until you are truly close. And then when you are truly close, 
that is when you can make the moves where you you can trade for a wide receiver or you could pay a wide receiver more money than he's worth or you can pay a pass rusher more money than he's worth to come in and shore up your one or two areas where you're weak because that's where star players that's what they can do is that you know maybe this one position group is not very good but we've got the money to where we can get one player and take this position group that isn't very good and make it great. And that won't just be our only position group that becomes okay, that becomes good. We've got all of these other position groups that are already good. And now we've, now we've shored up a weakness. Now we can contend for a Super Bowl. But this team is so many years away from doing that because they simply aren't great at anything. If there was... There's maybe two position groups where you could make the case that they are good, and that is defensive line and wide receiver. And aside from that, it's okay or below average everywhere else. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. So for the next two weeks, we will watch the Dolphins take on the Kansas City Chiefs and then wrap up their season at home against the Bills and... We're just going to see where, what this team has and who are the players on this team that really want to fight and, and, and want to stick around and be part of this organization going forward. We're going to see what kind of effort these guys can put in. And, uh, you know, and then we'll also have these last two weeks to savor the final moments of Jay Cutler being the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Because now, are I they think it's safe to say that we're never going to see that again after the next two weeks? I think that is safe to say. Now, all that said... Are we technically eliminated yet? Uh, let's let me just do a quick cuz Oakland I don't think has played yet. Baltimore won. Baltimore won today. Tennessee is currently trailing San Francisco. I'm pulling up the standings right now just to to declare whether or not we are officially eliminated yet. Um, at this point in the AFC We've got the Chargers at 7-7, Titans at 8-4, Ravens at 8-6, Bills at 8-6. So we're not, I think we're not officially eliminated yet. Um, There there may be tiebreaker scenarios, but I mean, for the Dolphins to make it into the playoffs at this point, it would be, it would take monumental permutations of all kinds of things to happen, and I just, things that I don't foresee happening, and it's... And quite frankly, the Dolphins aren't good enough to make the playoffs. If the Dolphins were good enough to make the playoffs, if they were a team that really had playoff aspirations and deserved to be in the playoffs, we would have seen that in some way against the Bills today, and we absolutely didn't. Well, I'm glad that you said that because the point that I was getting at is that now we've gotten to the point after losing this game where we could definitively say this team is not close. There is no like magical turnaround. There is no corner that they turned after beating the Patriots. This is not a playoff team. Now that said, if things were to happen and some miracle, they ended up making the playoffs, that should not in any way change your mind about how good this Correct. team is or how close they are. Because if they sneak in at 8-8, eight and eight, it really doesn't mean that they are close to contending. It simply means that in the AFC that year, they got extremely fortunate 
and they really made the playoffs in a year that they had no business being in the playoffs. And uh, and it's which why look I want I want to be clear on this. I don't want the Dolphins to go out the next two weeks and lose fifty to nothing. If that happens, nobody wants to see that. Well, well, yeah, it's not entertaining. One, but two, that means that Adam Gase has done a bad job. It means you know we have a we have a problem coaching. It means we have a problem in the locker room. It means the players have quit. It also means that the young players are not playing well. And ultimately, if you want this team to be good in the future, you need these young players to play well. I want this team to show fight. I want this team to play hard. I want the young players to improve. That said, I would also at the at the same time I'd like them to lose because and again, this is not about the draft. It's pick. about results of games. It's about results of games. And it's not about results of games. It's not even it's not about draft picks. It's not about win-loss record. It's about the front office starting with Steven Ross and going down to Tannenbaum. They need to see this, and they need to understand that this team is not close and that they need a change in philosophy. And until they see that, we're going to be the same old Dolphins. And that's all there is to say about that. Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? On Twitter, at Aaron the Brain, and writing for DolphinsReport.com. Follow them on, uh, or at... Dolphins on Scout. And you can follow me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You should also follow the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the Same Old Dolphin Show on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'd like to hear your thoughts and, and hear how we are doing. Do we need to do a complete rebuild here on the Same Old Dolphin Show or are we close? You need to let us know. Um, don't forget, you can also listen to us, follow us on SoundCloud, leave us review, hear every episode of the show over there. You can also download via RSS, subscribe in whatever podcatcher you use. There will be a link to do that in the show summary this week. Oh, and of course, Bad Bruno, who gave us our fantastic punk rock version of the Miami Dolphins fight song. Listen to that and follow them at Bad Bruno Punk. That is going to wrap us up for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. We'll be back soon. We realized we didn't get a uh, Bills preview show out to you this week. I was traveling. You know, we never we didn't acknowledge this, but this is the first episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show that we're recording in the same room, looking at each other, which that's something new. There, so there was traveling happening, and it was just very difficult to coordinate to, to make the show happen for the preview show. Uh, Brain couldn't get a solo show out, so we didn't do a preview show. It was the first game this season that we didn't preview. So in instead, any way. we're face-to-face, and I get to look at Josh wearing this vintage 1998 O.J. McDuffie jersey. Oh, I mean, it was a better time. It's a good time to be a Dolphin. It was a better time. It was a better time. That was when the Dolphins were always right there. Right there in that conversation. And you probably knew that they were going to lose in the AFC Championship game, but, you know. Well, they no. You knew they were going to lose in the second round of the playoffs. But at least there was a chance they were going to win a playoff game. It was a better time. Anyway, we'll be back later this week uh, with a preview of the Kansas City game. And uh, that's going to wrap us up for now. So for Aaron the Brain... This is Josh. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!